You're listening to the Substandard Model. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how small pieces of plastic are on everything, from broccoli to the Mariana Trench. And also how you can turn a grape into meat and how you can turn asparagus into a spinal cord. Uh, this one's less hard science, less of a fact, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's just oh, a thing that I'd okay. never thought about before, and I'm now decided to think about quite a lot, and that is microplastics. It's also me oh my God. chemistry into this podcast. Microplastics are bad, bro. Not I didn't good. realize they were a thing, because what you learn in school is that plastics are indestructible. Essentially, they're that's very what you dis- learn. They're very it, and the problem is, is that it's so unbreakdownable that it just lives there forever, right? And it disrupts the nature, is, right? The plastic but, isn't degrading; it's just being small. No, no. Okay, so what if? I mean, there's things that I didn't consider. Every time a car brakes or a tire, you know, accelerates, every time that tire is put under friction, microplastics are made and dispersed into the atmosphere. Tiny little sheer pieces of this rubber are torn off. So lumps of plastic in nature release little tiny microplastics into the air all the time. Really? Yeah. It's basically everywhere, period. Name a place, Mariana Trench, covered in microplastics. Microplastics are tiny pieces of plastics. I think the definition for microplastics is, is less than five millimeters across. Or 0.5 millimeters. Let me just get that. 0.5, surely. Five millimeters is like a a deep, like a a tic tac. That's what I thought when I said it. And then there's nanoplastics, which is five microns across or 0.5 microns. I can't remember. Okay. No, it says microplastics defined as pieces less than five millimeters across. Okay. Oh, fine. So they can just be like. But then there's nanoplastics, which are less than five microns across, which are the real. Which is much smaller. Which are the real, real, real nasties. And in terms of what it does that's bad, oh my God. There was a study that was done in New Zealand where they took blood samples from about 25 humans, 22 humans, 17 of the humans they found in their blood large quantities of microplastics in their blood. Mm-hmm. And that gets absorbed via, via eating, via breathing. Mm-hmm. Because the microplastics Ugh. are so sufficiently small that they pass through your, all your. Oh, I didn't. Know, I didn't know you could breathe them. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's horrid. So it can go through your lung tissue. To me, that's mad. <laughs> and that also, just, I mean, in terms of what they're doing, that's toxic. Because it's hard to call because microplastics is such a big range of things. I mean, all of the different types of plastics and polystyrenes to polyethene to poly, or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Each one does their own different thing, and they each have their own potential toxicity. So it, they found it in this people's blood supplies. They found it in fetal placental tissue. They found it oh, in. Oh no! Yeah. That's <laughs> so. That's not good. <laughs> I mean, it's in everything. It's in. It's in toothpaste. It's in face scrubs. It's in shower gel. You know, we're supposed to um, ingest a credit card every year worth of microplastics. That's the, that's the stat. There we go. 
just horrid. It's just not... Plastic is disgusting. I mean, like, it keeps coming up in every single problem, like, environmentally speaking, every single problem is just made much, much worse by microplastics. Like, it gets incorporated into ice every year, and it decreases the time it takes to thaw. It uh-huh. kills coral reefs. Uh-huh. So there was a study that where... Um, the chances of bacterial infection in a coral reef with a certain number of microplastics goes from 23 to 86%. Gets, seabirds eat it a lot and fish eat it a lot, but that's almost a given. Like, it's just f- fucking everywhere. Um, it's I'm really bad. At, we, don't know, we don't know enough about it. I'm looking at a box whisker plot of uh, number of microplastics found per gram in daily produce. Broccoli, uh-huh. carrots, lettuce, apple, pear, potato. And no. the scale on the right, I mean, they're all hovering around 100 to 200,000 pieces of microplastic. Um, apparently, we're releasing, in the UK, just through sewage, we're releasing <laughs> 20,000 credit cards worth of microplastics into the environment every month. Just through sewage, uh-huh. just in the UK. Fertilizers are coated in microplastics. <laughs> um, oh, of the beef and pork samples collected from farms and supermarkets, 75% of those samples showed microplastic presence. Because pigs and beef and pigs are just going to be eating and breathing in microplastics. I mean, if you yeah. can sit near a road and every time a car goes past, more microplastics go into the air. You're going to be breathing in loads of microplastics as a cow. I mean, we've we've basically introduced like evil dust yeah. into the entire world. It's basically evil dust. <laughs> yeah, evil dust. We've come, like the deepest, most unexplored part of the world is covered in our own evil dust that we made in the fifties. Yeah, that's not good. There was a study yeah. between six children, six infants. 10 adults Um, and it was found that the babies had more microplastics in their feces than the adults (gasps) wait a second how's that work is it they don't stay in the body I guess they think it's the use of plastic feeding bottles and and, um, feeding and the the chewing Uh, toys that the babies use which just makes you think about dogs doesn't it you get oops my dog is true. I mean, the baby is spending all day chewing plastic. Like, that's on the baby. That's not like it's, you know, like, fair enough. You You're going to get microplastics. You're going to get microplastics. Um, but even if they ate a carrot, they would also get microplastics. So there's, there's no win in there for the baby. Right. So it's everywhere. What are the problems? They said that it's not actually the the plastic that's the problem. It's the chemicals that could potentially be released from the plastic. Because plastic, mm. contrary to popular belief, does break down <laughs> just really, really slowly. Nothing in chemistry is really stable. Nothing in physics mm. is really stable. I like that. That's a good sentence. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's so many atoms and there's so many chemicals that if you have a one gram sample of, I don't know, plastic, right? That's mm-hmm. tens of trillions of atoms, more than trillions, billions of trillions of tens of trillions of billions, right? Just uncountable right. quantities in one gram, right? Uh-huh. 
not unlikely, even if you give it a point zero 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 one percent chance of breaking down over time, not unlikely that thousands of them are dissociating at, at any second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and every time you get this plastic that's got a tetrachloride in it, dissociating could be releasing chlorine. Who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. Unlikely to, but could be. And so if we decide to put what are essentially billions of tons of plastic in tiny little pieces of dust into every living organism, I mean, trees, broccoli, pigs, grass, Mariana Trench. How does it get there? How did it get in the Mariana Trench? It just sinks, or the fish carry it, or the whales die, or we draw. I mean, they and plastic bags get to the Mariana Trench. You know, they just gotta. They just end up falling down. So there was a, like there it. was a study that was done on how the human immune system responds to microplastic that it finds in its system, Ooh, in the body. Okay, doesn't respond to it unless there's like a virus attached to the microplastic, which is unlikely. So, okay. basically, it ignores it. Which might be good, but it's probably not. I'm looking at photos right now of just little pieces I mean, it of plastic means you, in some It means that you were not constantly sick. Like, like, if we were immune system reacting to it, we would just be constantly ill all the time. So, like, that's good that that doesn't happen. But also, you know... Ooh. You ready for this sentence? Some of the chemicals allowed to make plastic suitable for particular uses are also known to cause problems for humans. So, mm-hmm. BPA, bisphenol A, used to harden plastic, uh, is a known endocrine disruptor um, and has been linked with developmental issues for children and problems with re- reproductive system and metabolism. Now, huh. um yeah, those are the first things to go. Used to make plastic soft and flexible. Uh, those have been, you know, proven to have adverse effects on fetal development and reproductive problems in adults. I mean, I'm just, it's a long list of this one. And they're, and they're in the Mariana Trench. This one, short chain chlorinated paraffins cause cancer in lab rodents. Chlorinated camp in Myrex used in flame retardants also causes cancer and affects fertility. Triterbutylphenol, antioxidant in ultraviolet stabilizer, causes liver damage. Benzopyrene, cause cancer, adverse fertility. Dibutylphthalate, interferes with male fertility and been shown to have an affect, uh, adverse effect on fetal development. Yeah, cancer dust. We have plagued the world. I mean, it's too dust. late already. You can't go, oops. <laughs> Yeah, just, exactly. oh no, for sure. Just, like, stop littering. Let's just pick up all that litter. <laughs> that's a macro plastic, bro. There's hundreds of thousands of pieces of plastic in each <laughs> broccoli. <laughs> Imagine someone littering in your kidneys, and then you understand. Like, it's someone, yeah, someone... <laughs> someone littered with a syringe into a piece of broccoli. <laughs> they injected their litter into a broccoli and then put it back litter in the ground. My, micro litter is just everywhere. You could go fishing Sorry. in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, cast out mm-hmm. it, right? Giant net on a giant ship. Your fishing net goes right to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean next to where the Titanic is resting, right? You mm-hmm. accidentally snare and catch this wild fish that never been seen before that's living around the wreckage of the titanic right 
You pull mm-hmm. it all the way back up, explodes with the pressure differential. Never been seen, <clears throat> unknown to science. You take a blood sample of this fish, microplastics everywhere. <laughs> it's got like the plastic from a Pez dispenser or like, you know, the, the laminated <laughs> menu of a Chinese restaurant from the 70s. Yeah, it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> and you and watch balloons. as this deflated fish breathes its last gulp of water. No, I'm sorry, little. Yeah. So I guess the best course of action is to hope that that doesn't do anything. The main problem with microplastics, I think, is just that we don't know what they're going to do. We kind of do. Like it's just they're going to slowly break down know, over time. I think we know what they're going to do to our bodies in the sense that they they might just give us cancer a bit. But I don't think we're going to know what they do in the long term to like the fundamental geology and ecology of the world. We'll see. What's, we'll see. What's we'll particularly see scary years. is, you know how there's generally huge problems in the world and then you read into it and no one's done anything about it. And that's sort of reassuring in a way because it means that the government has deemed this problem to not actually be that huge of a problem anyway. So you can kind of go, maybe it's not so bad, right? Yeah. The scary part about this is the government's doing stuff about it. <laughs> You're like, oh, maybe this is a problem that the government also cares about. So California has made it mandatory to test for microplastics in water supply. But they're going to find them, aren't they? So it's like, (laughs) oh, well. (laughs) Oh, get out of here! (laughs) Shit. So they all have microplastics. What do we do? Do we stop giving people water? Do it. (laughs) Evaporate it. If you evaporate it, the microplastic goes with it. So when we sort out this climate change thing with the nuclear fusion that someone just came out with, this is this is is this problem number two that Greta Thunberg can get worked up about. Yes, yes. I the mean, the thing we... is, it's not really. It's like irreconcilable. Like it's not. Like if you see a project to like get microplastics out of the sea, like you won't see that because that's not going to happen. A giant sieve. <laughs> you just. <laughs> It's just a big organic operation. Yeah, if you wanted to de-microplastic one piece of broccoli, you could spend 20 years on that. I mean, there could, there's, given the amount of microplastics in broccoli, there is almost, like, I would say with a 99% certainty that there is a piece of microplastic in broccoli that was originally in some plastic broccoli. Think about that. Yeah. That's that thing about um, making plastic dinosaurs out of oil that was once... Made from <laughs> yeah. crushed actual dinosaur remains like that there is fish dying because of the small pieces of plastic fish in their blood nice ones humans sorry 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 so we're sorry we're sorry for all the the heat and the cancer dust we're sorry we didn't mean to <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like proposing a business idea to a fish about fortune cookies and why this is a really valuable use of <laughs> of your life. So basically, of the world's resources. It's like a little biscuit that has a little shit message written inside <laughs> about how you should value your family, and it's and we make trillions of them, and then they break down into little pieces. But we put them in plastic, and then immediately take them out of the plastic. And then, and then the fish goes, where does the plastic go? Like, it go that's the best part. It goes in you. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> oh, no. Just burn it, please. Increase the temperature. Just burn it. 
Just burn it. We either burn it and we kill you with fire. Or we the only solution is to and kill you with everything cancer. to Mars and then smash the moon into the Earth and then melt down all the plastic. But then all plastic rains on us, like molten. Like we'll just get we'll get laminated as a species, like full species lamination will occur. Yeah, how much plastic is too that. much plastic? This this much plastic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's my thing. Good. Um, right, Henry, I'm going to ask you a question. This, so this is my biology one, kind of. This I like. I like this fact a lot. And um, all right, I'm just going to get right into it. Do Very you like exciting. grapes? Love them. Love them. Right. Okay. Okay. So what if, like, so what is a grape? Like, a grape is kind of just like a big sort of. I mean, take the skin off. The it's skin not is just sort of plastic, like, is what it is. It's not, there's a decent amount of plastic in the grape. We'll just accept that. But um, let's say you get the grape, you take the skin off because that's mostly just you know, proteins and stuff. And then you're left with a, mostly water. There's a lot of cells in there, a lot of you know, lipids, a lot of stuff like that, a lot of, a lot of sugars. Now, what if we put the grape in some sort of solution which broke down all the membranes and it broke down all of the, um, you know, all the stuff inside the cells. We, we could freeze it, which would break all the membranes with ice crystals. And they'd come out, put them in a solution, draw out all the lipids, lipid, lipid interaction, stuff like that. And you're left with, well, you're left within the grape skeleton. Nice. Right. So you're left with the extracellular matrix and it looks really weird. It looks like a little sort of white pale ghost grape and you've got that. So it's like kind of grape, but not really a grape. So that's kind of cool. Scientists did this. They made a grape scaffold, basically. And they were like, well, what? So they took a grape and they just degraped it a bit. (laughs) Now it's like less grape than it was before. They they took a grape and they degraped it from the inside and they created an an anti-grape. And they basically said, so we, we took cells out of this grape. Surely, can we just put cells back into the grape? And they were like, yeah, why would you do that? And you're like, well... They don't have to be the same cells that we put that we took out of the grape. We could put different cells into the grape. And the guy said, well, "What do you mean?" And he said, "Well, what if we we got cells from like a cow, mm. and then we just like we just like put them in the grape?" And the, and the guy said, "Well, that, that wouldn't work, would it?" And then he said, well, "What if we tried?" And they tried, and they, they they sort of put some injected some sort of serum, some like you know growth cells into the grape, and it, it sort of proliferated, and they made. A meat grape nice one, that guys. used the same extracellular matrix at the same same sort of cellulose scaffolding, but all of the cells were were now meat cow cells, and you made a meat grape. What the fuck? Scientists so these days. That that happened, and that's that's a bit of a that's a bit of a sort of flash news flash, a bit of a right. what what's the word I'm trying to say? A bit of a snapshot of a wider field. Yeah, so when can we expect, when's the release date of Sainsbury's Taste the Difference meat grapes? Sainsbury's Taste the the Difference succulent meat grapes on a little (laughs) cocktail. Succulent meat grapes with a horseradish sauce. (laughs) Yeah, you get like those Mm. those little plastic tubs. You get one of those filled with like cocktail meat grapes. Be great. It's, still, it's on the grape plant still. <laughs> it's it's just... still on the grape plant. It still t- it still feels like a grape texture-wise. It just tastes you... of beef. Right. Can you grow this in a vineyard? Let's talk no, because years the, down the, the line. You can, you can, it's easier to grow 
No, because the well, it would have to be a very different vineyard that right. would probably moose. Like it would be a very it would be more like a cow than a vineyard. I mean, like, what? What's the difference between a field of cows and a vineyard? Now we've got grapevines with cow legs <laughs> walking around and eating the soil. <laughs> eating, eating the soil. I mean, okay, this this is probably not entirely scalable, right? In terms of vineyards, like Damn. you could make meat wine. <laughs> should, we, should we make meat wine? <laughs> That'd be great. You could make meat wine, meat Peaky vinegar. Matter. But um, the main point is, this is this is an idea. And the applications of this idea are where my fact is really going. Okay, we've learned that we can take plants, remove all the plant from them, and put other stuff in them, put animal cells in them. And because plants have such a rigid extracellular matrix, they already have this whole structure going on. That really, really helps. And a big problem with like lab-grown meat, for example, is that we're just putting stuff in petri dishes and hoping it grows. And it's kind of gross, and the taste is fine, but the texture is really, really bad. It's always been really, really bad. And the reason texture is bad is because there is no collagen structure. We can grow the protein. We can't grow the structure. Plants give us a structure. They give us a scaffold to build off of. And if you put stuff like you know lab-grown meat in decellularized grapes or even other foods – you can create like an I don't know. You can make like a sausage avocado, or you could make like a you know a, a bacon leek, and like they could just be. It's like a, a new way of making, um, of making lab-grown meat using the plant scaffolding to make it quicker, more efficient, and more like real meat. Right. Which is kind of weird, right? So that's quite a good idea. That's one application, but there's another application which is much much cooler, and this is in the medical field. So. So you can grow great sure, parts. That's my guess of where this is going. Or yes. great kidney. This, this also started sort of in parallel in the medical field. If for heart transplants, you don't want someone else's cells in your body because you might react to them. You might have an immune response. So, yeah, but you yeah. still want the heart in there. So what they did is they took a heart. Sometimes it was a human heart. Sometimes it was a pig heart. And they decellularized it. They took all of the cells out, leaving the structure. And they put the patient cells back in, built you a personalized your cell heart from the scaffolding of a pig's heart, and then put it in you so you wouldn't reject it. That was how it started. And then the field of meat grapes and the field of reconstructive heart surgery met in a beautiful, beautiful reunion. And there is this guy, Henry. There's this guy... And his name is his name is Pelling, his name is Andrew Pelling, and he's nice. big into this stuff. And what he does is he takes stuff like an apple, he'll decellularize the apple, he'll put people cells in the apple, and he'll make like a person like a meat apple. And then you can like you can you can do anything. You can like carve an ear out of the apple and put it on someone, and you've just made like a, a prosthetic ear that's like out of meat using an apple and he's done all sorts of these weird things where he's done it with like aubergines and carrots and then he did it with a he did it with asparagus right he got he got asparagus he de-scaffolded the, the asparagus made it into like a, a shell of what it once was and he put them in in rats to try and see if he could reconstruct the spinal cord which was a bit of a long shot that's a that's ambitious <laughs> i mean it was pretty Imagine ambitious being the rat so we've surgically removed the <laughs> spinal cord, and it's now literally a piece of asparagus. I mean, he, he sort of spent like about two years kind of fucking around. And then when he put the asparagus inside the rat, and within a, he was like, this is probably not going to work. But within a few days, 
it started to get vascularized. Like he noticed that there was some blood flow within the asparagus. And then within a, within a few weeks, just a few weeks after implantation, the rats began to walk again. So the Sam. rats with, a seven, with essentially no spinal cord began to walk and have Sam. a functional nervous system using asparagus. Yes. What do you want? I mean, it takes, you know, you got to, when life gives you lemons, <laughs> when life gives you asparagus, you make a spiral, when as you a make rat, a you got to make cord. it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like that, okay. I mean, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Like, this rat literally has an asparagus where its spinal cord should be, and it's using it to walk because it's just like detailization is that good. Like, we could do this with any of our organs in theory, just replace them with, like, instead of, oh no, you've you got kidney failure, stick a tomato in there and you'll be fine. Can we like, stick- now we fixed you. <laughs> we'll have to think like a can fruit just... that's shaped sort of the same. And yeah, then we'll can we just like decellularize a watermelon and then just put a human brain in it? <laughs> yeah, that's the next. I'm sure that's their next stage. You can make watermelon. Man. This is the a mind fully a conscious watermelon. and entirely sentient watermelon. Sentient <laughs> watermelon. We don't know what to do. We we've gone too far. <laughs> it can't do anything, but it. It, he wants revenge. It has a great he, concept of human poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the poetry this watermelon can produce? It's remarkable. He's solved equations. He's he's given speeches. I don't see... I mean, you know, it's a growing field, and it seems silly, but it's pretty cool. I mean, if you could have, like, I don't know, your heart given back to you, or, like, your eyes given back to you, or whatever, mm. through decellularization of plant matter it's better than like previous ideas which is just building your own collagen scaffold or building your own plastic scaffold yeah. which essentially is bad is bad it just isn't as good like you... if you give someone a knee replacement a plastic knee replacement is like objectively worse than like a radish knee replacement can you can you can you frankenstein this and from basically nothing i mean this is the future of this could you put a bit of asparagus onto an apple and a guava and a radish and a carrot and and a pea and another pea and some cannelloni beans and a bit of right. tree and a stick and then you put it all together and it's a horse make a dude a horse see so, you, so you're, you're essentially asking me can you do a pickle rick that's what you're asking can you do a pickle rick? And my, yeah. my, my answer is um, give it 50 years. Winston <laughs> Churchill said, in, uh, in one of Winston Churchill's speeches, he said that in 50 years' time, it will seem ridiculous that we grow whole chickens just so we can eat the breast and that we'll be able to grow the breast and stuff in, in isolation. Um, and he said that we'd have that by now, and we don't. But um, I say that we will have um, you know, pickle ricks in 50 years, and the difference is that I'm right and Winston was wrong. And we we will. We're gonna have we're gonna all be walking around with like big old, you know, plums in our face and and you know, car- carrots in our spine and vegetables in our hearts. Yeah. And we're gonna be living a great life. You're listening to the substandard model. 